All right. Well, let's read through these eight verses together, and then I'll pray one more time. We're going to jump right into this. Um, We are talking about the launch of the church, and we're looking back in history, but we're also reading our present. And I believe there's stuff that God wants to solidify in our hearts about how we step into the fullness of what God has for us as his people. And so let's open up our hearts to that. So this is Luke talking. Um, I was out of town for a couple weeks. Our dear friend, Pastor Dave Buring from Franklin, taught for a couple weeks through the book of Luke, um, where Luke reflected on the life of Jesus. And now this is kind of his second book, his second letter And he's writing to this guy named Theophilus. And so he's picking up where he left off. And so let's join him right here as he opens up the book of Acts. Beginning in verse one. In the first book, O Theophilus. Man, what a cool name. We just have such ordinary names now. O Theophilus. I just, I don't know. I love that. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, and now he's quoting Jesus, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse six, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is the word of God to us to the disciples in that day and to those of us who now follow him as a result of this being fulfilled. And so Jesus, we just come before you right now one more time. We thank you that you are here and present and speaking. Holy Spirit, we thank you that it is your unique role in the Godhead to fill us, to reside in us, that as your people, we might experience your presence and your power. God, so we can step into all you have for us individually, so we can be the connected body that you have intended for us to be, and so that we can see your kingdom expanded in this world. God, would you teach us this morning if there's things we don't know? God, would you remind us of things that maybe we have forgotten or neglected? And ultimately, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us fresh and new today to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Amen. I want to tackle this in, in kind of three ways this morning. I want to talk to you guys about the promised land. The promised land. I love that because we've been reading through the Bible together this year. If you've been hanging with us, I think we're going to see some things that connect with the Old Testament that God has intended all along for us as we now live in New Testament times, the, the, the acts of the church. That's us. So I want to talk to you guys about the promised land. I want to talk to you guys about how essential the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And then ultimately, I want to talk to you guys about how we can just receive him in his presence in our lives. That's where we're going this morning. So the promised land, as we read through that, you know, I hope that you noticed the Holy Spirit was just mentioned over and over again by Jesus and by Luke. It's, it's a primary emphasis at the launch of the church, at the start of the church. I also hope you noticed the kingdom language that was there because Jesus spent so much of his time when he was talking. You know, we watched him do things and those were kingdom things he was doing, kingdom activity. But when he spoke, he was usually talking about the kingdom of God. And so Luke reminds us right here that not only was he talking about that all during his life in ministry, but you know, I think the disciples, maybe they'd forgotten some things along the way. Maybe they were a little shell-shocked after what they experienced in a span of, you know, seven to 10 days through Passion Week and then his resurrection. And so for 40 days, look at this one more time, Acts 1-3, Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. He was establishing who they were. He was establishing his kingdom and, and reminding them, here's all I taught you the last three years. Don't forget this stuff. This is what my kingdom is like. This is what you're called into. This is what you're stepping into. And so he was instructing them, equipping them, preparing them for what was to come. Now, as is so often the case with the disciples, and if we'll be honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't really fully grasp or understand what God's trying to say to us. So they are very, these guys are so practical. I mean, you got fishermen on the team, you know? It's just real life stuff, right? Like show me the thing I, I can touch, I can see, I can wrap my head around. And so Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And so finally, one of them just kind of speaks up collectively, like they're asking this question, verse six now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're saying, okay, is this the moment? You know, we've watched you come and serve and heal. We watched you give your life and now you've risen from the grave. Like now you're ready to move in power and like be in charge. And you're going to set Israel free from the Roman Empire. And now you're going to rule this earth through your people, Israel. Like, is this the moment? And what's funny is Jesus, he just, he doesn't, he answers and doesn't answer the question, right? He doesn't lay out a timeline of what's coming. He just simply says, that's in the Father's hands. He'll decide when that timing is going to happen. And then he speaks to them about stepping into his kingdom right there, right now. Now, I just briefly want to say, Jesus is going to come back in all authority and rule and reign. He is. 
He didn't tell them, I'm not gonna do that. He just said, that's not what I'm up to right now. But he wasn't putting a pause on his kingdom while he returned to heaven. He was saying, guys, I've been pouring this kingdom stuff into you for years. I'm reminding you of it now that I'm risen from the grave because you are about to be the carriers of this kingdom. But there's one more thing you still need. And so remember, in verses four and five, he told them to wait for the promised Holy Spirit because he's coming very soon. And then in verse eight, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, my ambassadors in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit is gonna play an essential role in empowering you to advance the kingdom. There is territory that God wants to take in your heart in life. There is victory that he wants to achieve right here in us. This is a kingdom that was living according to its own authority and power. And it was a fallen, broken kingdom. And it needed to give up power. And it needed, this kingdom needed to surrender and let another kingdom take its place. And so by the power of Jesus, by the miracle of God, he comes on individual lives and we get to exchange our broken kingdom and my broken leadership in my life and receive his instead. And so friends, God intended for us to learn more and more how to let God be our king. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we could be set free and walk in victory and experience life and joy as, kingdom, as God's kingdom expands in my heart and life. But he never intended for it to stop right here. He intended for us to participate with him in carrying that forward into this world. Now, I wanna I want use the promised land imagery here for a minute. So I wanna remind you a little bit of, of Israel's history because I think it's significant. Okay, remember how the nation of Israel was birthed. All right, yeah, we had Abraham and we knew that from his children, um, the Messiah was gonna come. And they end up in Egypt, right? And they're in Egypt for all those hundreds of years and they're in slavery. And Moses shows up as a deliverer. And they are set free from slavery. They get rescued out of Egypt. And kind of the ultimate moment of victory there as they approach the Red Sea, right? It opens up and they pass through on dry ground and they're out. They're free. They're slaves no longer. The next thing that happens is purposely, by God's design, they go into the wilderness and what transpires? They receive instruction. The kingdom of Israel was established and they were given the law. They were told, here's what this kingdom is gonna look like. Here's how you're gonna operate. Here's how you're gonna be my unique people, Israel. Here's how you're gonna be a light and an influence to the world around you. And he gave instruction through Moses. In fact, how many days was Moses up on the mountain getting the law from God? 40 days. How many days was Jesus after his resurrection communicating kingdom instruction to the disciples? 40 days. Do you see the pattern here? 
God's fingerprints, the work of Jesus, it's all over the scripture. And so they get rescued out of slavery. They're saved from that. They pass through a body of water and step into that new freedom just as Jesus rescues and saves us from sin. And out of obedience, we are water baptized to declare, I'm a slave no more. I belong to him now. That was an old man. This is the new man. And then we're called to grow and to learn who Jesus is, learn about his kingdom, learn how to follow him, to sit and receive instruction from him because we're living a new life. And we're operating under a new authority, not mine anymore, his. And friends, the, the, the moment that was so pivotal for Israel was the moment when they were done receiving that instruction and it was time for them to move into the place God had intended for them. They were called to go into a new land where they were gonna be established. And there were gonna be challenges and there were gonna be difficulties but ultimately they were gonna be taking new territory and stepping in and receiving the promise of God. And they stopped. Out of, out of worry or fear, out of unfamiliar territory, whatever the reason may be, for an entire generation, they didn't step into what God had for them. Were they still God's people? Yeah. Did they have his law and instruction? Absolutely. Was God present with them while an entire generation for 40 years wandered in that wilderness and didn't step into all that God had for him? Was he present with them? Yes. Did he provide for them? Yes. They weren't abandoned. They weren't less than. They weren't not his kids. They just never got to experience the territory God intended for them to take. I believe with all my heart that many Christians are settling for a wilderness life with Jesus. We've heard the gospel message. We've received him as our savior. He's helped us break free from slavery and sin. We've been water baptized and declare I'm his kid. But somewhere along the way, we, we've missed out on the fullness of receiving the Holy Spirit and experiencing regularly, daily, his active presence in our lives that we may step into all new places of victory and healing and freedom and we may be carriers of the kingdom of God in this world. I believe that. Now, I don't know if that's you. This is not meant to be an accusation towards anyone. I'm just saying the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is essential for us as the body of Christ, as individual believers. Friends, I want all that he has for me. I want all that he has for me. Guys, the power of God is available to bring victory in our lives and to advance God's kingdom in this world. And the Holy Spirit is an essential part of this process. Jesus said, don't take another step. Wait till you receive the Holy Spirit. Power is coming upon you that's gonna, gonna change your life and change the world around you. Wait. And so kind of moving into point two now, I wanna talk to you guys about that connected life, the essential nature of the Holy Spirit in our life. I wanna take a second and pause right here. The next couple of things we're gonna get into this morning, I've, I've drawn these from some time that we spent 
on the Holy Spirit a couple years ago. We did like a 14 or 16 part series really unpacking who the Holy Spirit is. And I, I wanna encourage you, if God stirs something up in you today and he's kind of whetting your appetite and you're like, I, I wanna lean in a little bit more, I need to dig into some of this truth. I wanna reignite a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I wanna understand who he is and what that might look like in my life. I wanna give us a little bit of a path this morning, but I just wanna encourage you. We, we made a point of putting the Abide series, it was called Abide, back on our sermon page. So if you go to our website and go to sermons, you'll see a series called Abide and the whole thing is there. And we spent time just simply talking about who the Holy Spirit is, like several weeks just unpacking who he is. Then we spent time talking about how do I develop a real relationship with him? How do I recognize his voice and cooperate with him? And then we began to, to dive into the fruit of the spirit that he produces in our lives and the gifts of the spirit that he uses to empower his church to make a difference in each other and in the world. And so I would encourage you to dive into that if you need some direction. But to give us a little guidance this morning, the Holy Spirit's role is to help us stay in living connection with our King, in living connection with him. So I wanna give you just a bit of an overview of this. In John's gospel, all right, throughout the gospels, Jesus was talking about the kingdom and preparing people. But in, in John's gospel, chapter 15 is situated in a series of chapters where Jesus has decided, this is my last night with the people I know the best and love the most. I mean, he doesn't have favorites, but you know what I mean. Like, these are his people. And on this final night with them, he pours all this stuff into them. And John records it in his gospel. And in John chapter 15, Jesus lays out the importance of living a life connected to him. And so briefly, I just wanna read a couple of, of different verses from John 15 to give you a sense of it. Verses four and five. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So how is our new life as followers of Jesus gonna go if we're not connected to the vine? I would say not well, since he says we can do nothing <laughs> without him. We need to be connected with him. He goes on to talk about what this might look like. Verses 10 and 11 and verse 17. If you keep my commandments, so here's those kingdom instructions, you keep my commandments and you abide in my love. So you take the truth I've given you, the direction I've given you, and you stay connected to my presence and experience my love. You will abide in my love. This will be what you experience. Just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you so you can live a really difficult, disciplined Christian life that's not gonna be very fun. That's not what it says, right? No. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He intends fullness of joy for us. It's something he has that he's offering. Verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. So being connected with me, receiving my direction in your life, 
It's going to expand your unity and your love for each other. You're going to experience the presence and the love of God. And it's going to produce joy in your life. This is what I have for you if you will stay connected with me. And so he talks about surrender. He talks about staying connected. He talks about receiving joy. He talks about the beauty of experiencing unity in our relationships. Jesus says in this passage, it is essential that you stay connected with me. Now think about this. He's telling the disciples this. And then so what does he naturally do next? He leaves them. He goes to the cross. He spends a few more days with them after he raises from the grave and he goes to heaven. Wait, hold on. You just told us we got to stay connected to you. Why'd you leave? Because it is the Holy Spirit's unique role in our life to keep us connected with Jesus, our Savior to keep us connected with our loving Father. In fact, the bookends of John 15 give us insight into this because in chapters 14 and 16, he talks about the essential role of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. John 14, verses 15 through 17. Same kind of language here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I mean, it literally is like verbatim of what we just read, John 15, verse 10. Same thing. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I don't know about you, helper is capitalized in my Bible right there because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you sometimes during an especially emotional worship service where the music is just really good that morning. No, he will be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. It is the Holy Spirit who enables us to abide in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps us connected to the vine. Moving forward to to chapter 16. So on the other side of Jesus talking about abiding in him, in chapter 16, verse 7 Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So all those times in my life where I've just felt like, if I could just meet Jesus at Starbucks for like an hour this week, like if we could just get that face to face, I know I'd be doing so much better if he was just right there and I could see him and I could talk to him. And Jesus' response to you is, no. You don't need to be waiting in line for me to go around person to person getting my little hour-long appointments at Starbucks every now and then. That's not what you need. What you need is my daily, moment-by-moment presence in your life. And so it's better for you that I am with my Father because the Holy Spirit is gonna be poured out and you can receive him and know him and he will speak to you and you can speak to him anytime you want because he's here to help you and he's committed, he's in it for the long haul, he's in it forever in all circumstances, in all seasons, he is near. And so I can abide in Jesus because the Holy Spirit is present. Jesus says it's working to your advantage that I leave because the Holy Spirit can come and work miracles. 
You know, one of the things I, I love reading through the book of Acts, there's a lot that's awesome in there. Um, but maybe you saw this like I did this week reading through. There's just these moments where Luke will just stop and go, let me just tell you how, how good this is going. Like there are plenty of challenges. I mean, people are being thrown in prison and there's a lot that's hard, okay? Promised land doesn't mean easy, okay? There are hard things going on. But all along the way, Luke would remind them, look at what this community looks like. Look at what God's kingdom looks like when these people are filled with the Holy Spirit and are being who God has called them to be. They're being the church. They're advancing Jesus' kingdom. Look at this. And he gives us these glimpses, these tastes of just the beauty of what God intended for us. One example, Acts chapter nine, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, you notice they're beginning to grow and expand just like Jesus said they would when they received the Holy Spirit. They had peace they were being built up. So they were, they were growing, but they were strong. It wasn't just numerically, like there were more of them. Like they were built up, they were strengthened. There was maturity, there was health, there was peace. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. So like God is king. We're letting him be in charge. They're walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It multiplied. Guys, the kingdom is growing and advancing here and now, just as Jesus described. And the Holy Spirit's role in my life, in your life, and throughout his church globally is how we stay connected and abide in Jesus and how we see the promises of God advance. That's what is intended for us. If you, if you hang out with me long enough, you're gonna hear me give you an A.W. Tozer quote. It's just bound to happen. Um, I, I, man, at 19, 20 years old, the word of God touched my life, came alive in my heart, and it changed me. And right along with that, <laughs> definitely secondary, but right along with that, A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, just, man, the Lord used that to capture my heart. Well, A.W. Tozer has this to say about the Holy Spirit. He said, the spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. The Holy Spirit's presence in our lives and in his church was never meant to be relegated to certain denominations, these, these certain select special group of people over here, God's entire plan for this world was to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. That's Old Testament being fulfilled in the new. That is God's plan and his purpose for us. He intends for us to experience the Holy Spirit. So I wanna begin to move towards wrapping things up this morning by talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. I wanna give you a glimpse of this, a picture of this, and then I wanna get really practical at the end about how we can receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? So let's say you've, you've heard this, you've going, okay, there's this territory God has for me. Jesus wants me to abide in him. The Holy Spirit helps me do that. What, what holds us back from, from experiencing the Holy Spirit? What, what keeps us from that? 
I believe at least part of it is that it feels kind of risky. It feels risky. It feels strange, unfamiliar. Even the name Holy Spirit, it just sounds, it doesn't sound as, as real to me as like Jesus, right? Like there's Jesus. I can, I can wrap my head around that. The Holy Spirit just sounds very vague. And then I don't know what y'all's experiences have been. Maybe you've experienced really healthy ways where the Holy Spirit has moved and operated and it's been very evident. Maybe you've experienced situations that were healthy, but you perceive them as, as weird and unhealthy and it scared you off a little bit. Maybe you also have experienced unhealth where, where people are kind of doing things outside the bounds of scripture. Or there, there's this, this need to like perform or impress or chase emotions. And so the Holy Spirit gets associated with something unhealthy and it's, it, maybe it's pushed you away. Listen, there is an element that is gonna feel risky in saying, Holy Spirit, who, who I can't see, will you come into my life? I'm gonna let you have control. Will you come and be here? Friends, that's the very type of risk that the new generation experienced when they were moving into the promised land. Joshua steps up as the new leader, and I find this interesting. The first move they had to make to move into the promised land is they had to cross another body of water. When Moses led them out of Egypt, it was just the miraculous power of God that got them out of there. And even when they came to the Red Sea, they watched it part and they walked across on dry land. That is not what happened when they came to the Jordan River. When it was time for them to move into the promised land, Joshua was told, take a representative from each tribe, one of the leaders, Take the priests and have them grab the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence with them. And while the river is still running and raging, I want them all to step into the river first. And they had to risk stepping into the river then believing that a miracle would happen. But they didn't step in the river alone. The presence of God was with them. And as the priests and leaders stepped into that river, they took that leap of faith. A brand new generation watched the miraculous power of God and he stopped the waters of the Jordan River and they all moved through it together into new territory. Friends, Jesus said specifically, John came baptizing with water. And, and we've been called to follow Jesus and obey him in getting water baptized. But he said, I've got plans to baptize you in a new way. I'm gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that might sound scary and it might be risky, but this is gonna be so good for you. It's gonna be so healthy in your life. It's gonna be so good for the people around you. Step into it, take the plunge, take the risk. I'm good, I love you, and this is for your benefit. And so friends, God's people gathered in Acts chapter two, these 120 people, and they believed Jesus' promise, and so they waited, and they gathered, and they prayed. And while they were all together, Acts chapter two, verse one records, 
when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. That seems risky. <laughs> I'm in a room minding my own business and this, this massive like sound starts and this wind comes rushing in and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. Okay, now we've got like wind and fire. This is, if nothing else, this is unusual. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there was an immediate outward expression. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I, I'm not getting into a message on, on speaking in tongues this morning. Um, there, there's some rich stuff we could dive into together there. I want to briefly say that, that tongues kind of shows up in, in three ways. In this example, they were literally speaking in other languages, like real human languages that they had never learned before. And so as the spirit of God shows up and the wind and the fire show up, man, something radical is happening and it spills out onto the street. And because all these people from other countries are gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, they're there for that festival, for, for that reason, that feast, that the gathered Jews who lived in other areas came and they were hearing these guys speak in their language from back home. And they were talking about Jesus. And so God gave them utterance to speak other languages. Now, I also believe that there is a prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us. And I believe there are moments where we speak in tongues and it needs to be interpreted because God wants to communicate something through prophecy to his people. I believe there's biblical and historical evidence of all of that. And I'd be happy to talk with you more about it sometime if you'd like. We cover it in detail in the, in the Abide series. And so they get filled with the power and presence of God. It spills out onto the streets and notice the people's reaction. Because this is kind of the decision point for you and I. It spills out onto the streets. There's all these people seeing it. They're hearing the gospel in their own language. And in Acts 2, verse 12, it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. Friends, let's not allow our, our fears, our concerns, the uncertain nature of this cause us to just shut the Holy Spirit out. Where maybe we've seen unhealth and maybe we're imagining unhealth where there actually is health and it's just unusual to us. May we not be so perplexed by it that we, that we just try to stay safe and keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length. And let's definitely not accept the mentality of just mocking and going, well, that's crazy, that's weird, and those people are way off, and so therefore, I'm out on all of it. Instead, let's allow the presence of God to show up in our lives, to touch our lives, to pour Jesus into us. And let's learn to receive the Holy Spirit and experience his leading, his guiding, his grace, to help us stay connected to the vine so that we can step into new territory.
so we can have some promised land living this side of heaven. It will be difficult. There will be challenges. But by the grace of God, there will be victory. There will be freedom in my own life. And I'll get to participate. I'll get to cooperate with God as he brings new life and freedom into the lives of others. Anybody want that? I want that. So in, in closing, I want to just, I want to share with you how do we receive the Holy Spirit? I want to give you three ways here. And then I just want to say to you guys, I, I'm not holding like an official altar call this morning. We're not going to like play music and wait till people have an, like we're, we're not going to do all of that. But you can receive the Holy Spirit today if you, if you feel like you've never experienced that. You can go home and close a door and get in your room and be alone with God and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. Come be in me. Come be with me. I receive you. What I will do this morning is I'll sit up right up here and, and I'll wait. And I would, I would love to pray with you this morning. And I'll agree with you in prayer that you might receive the Holy Spirit if you never have. But here are the three ways we, we receive the Holy Spirit. I wanna hopefully um, alleviate some confusion, okay? Number one, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? We receive the Holy Spirit at salvation as a deposit or a guarantee that we're God's kids. We receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. I wanna give you one glimpse of this, but I'd be happy to share more scriptures in depth with you on this. Jesus in one of the gospels breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit before officially the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. But in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes and he talks about this and he says, in him, talking about Jesus, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I receive the presence of God in my life when I say yes to Jesus. And, and he is that guarantee that I belong to him forever. We receive the Holy Spirit there. We are also taught in the scripture that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That word baptized, it means, it means immersed in him, surrendered to him, filled with his presence, which then the byproduct means filled with his power. We're to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we were already reading about this morning in, in Acts chapter one, verses four and five, and again in verse eight. Just wanna remind you of this. Wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not, not many days from now. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Baptism, it means immersion. It means I'm dead to myself and I'm alive to the Spirit. If you've been water baptized, perhaps as you were being water baptized, it was kind of spoken over you. Um, you know, you're dead to the old man and you're risen to new life. It's, it's a burial picture and a resurrection picture. There was an old way of life. That old sinful fleshly man is dead and gone. This new person that's forgiven and redeemed 
is risen. Well, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means I am releasing and letting go of power and authority in my life and I am letting him come be king. That's it. Are there outward expressions of his presence in my life? Are there gifts that he gives? Are there ways that he moves? Yes, absolutely. But receiving the Holy Spirit isn't about starting to do really cool stuff and become like a superhero with neat powers. It's about knowing God. It's about giving him control of my life. It's about letting him lead me and teach me and guide me. And it is about him working powerfully and miraculously through my life. It is about me being able to speak a word of prophecy, not because look at me, the great prophet that's predicting the future. No, sometimes Nick just needs to hear a message from God today to say, Nick, I love you. I see you. I know you. I'm coming through in this way in your life. Like sometimes we just need to hear some truth from, from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will give us those words of encouragement to speak to one another. Sometimes we need to be healed. And I know we don't receive ultimate healing till heaven. Like we're gonna die one day unless Jesus shows up while we're walking the earth, which would be awesome. But God does heal and he does work miracles. And if we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we yield our lives to him, he comes in power. And he does stuff in us and he does stuff through us. A third way you can receive the Holy Spirit. It is is clear, reading through the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, that there are times where the Holy Spirit just comes on us. There's like a fresh refilling. It's not like I lost something. It's just he shows up in a moment and refreshes me, restores me. Maybe he empowers me. There's glimpses of that in Acts 4, 8. Remember, Peter has already been filled with the Spirit in Acts 2. In Acts 4, 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, he needed a fresh presence and empowerment from the Holy Spirit for what that moment was calling for. And so the grace of God came upon him. He gets refilled. Acts 13, 9, we see the same sort of thing happen in Paul's life. In fact, in Ephesians 5, 18, Paul even gives us a glimpse of this when he says, to the church who have received the Holy Spirit, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to be continually filled, to refilled. If this seems mysterious to you, go back to Jesus' analogy of abiding. A branch needs to regularly and consistently receive life up from the roots through the trunk, right? Or through the main vine, the main source. And it receives New life all the time that keeps it healthy and growing. That's what this is. I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm connected with him. And man, I I need his presence filling me, restoring me. And there's times in my life where I know I'm just running dry and I need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. There's moments in my life where I know I'm about to step into a moment that is so beyond me, I can't even imagine. And I know God is with me and I know the Holy Spirit's empowered my life. But in that moment, I'm going, Holy Spirit, I need you right here, right now. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But I know that you love this person. I know that you want to invade this difficult situation with your presence in your life. And you've asked me to at least be a part of that. And so would you empower me today to do the thing that you're calling me to do that is beyond me? And so he refills us. Friends, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, ask. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, he's in you, a deposit guaranteeing your salvation. If you've never really been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit and seen him come in and and you surrender fully to him and let him lead the way, you can ask and receive. If you're weary, if you're run down, if you're facing something and you're just going, man, I need a fresh touch, I need a fresh refilling, the Holy Spirit wants to come and provide that. And so ask, wait, receive, and surrender. Amen? Amen. Guys, let's live in the promised land. Let's see Jericho's walls fall down. Let's take new territory. That's That's what God has for us. And he's with us to accomplish his purposes in our life and in this world. I'm gonna pray for us to close the service and then I'm just gonna spend some time down here. If you wanna talk more about this subject, if you would like someone to pray with you, if that feels too in front of everybody and you wanna shoot me an email this week, Jesus might not show up at Starbucks in person, but I'll meet you there. (laughs) All right? But let's step into all that God has for us. Amen? All right. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your continual, forever loving presence in our lives. Thank you that you are with us and that you empower us. Holy Spirit, I just, I invite you now in this room, in my life, I pray for any of my friends in this room. Holy Spirit, if we've never really understood or experienced what it means to be baptized by you, to just be immersed in you, to surrender fully to you, to let you lead, that you would fill us and empower us. Holy Spirit, we just say yes to you right now. We thank you that you are a part of the Godhead. Thank you, God, that you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you work in perfect unison. Father, thank you for the good gift of your spirit. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for returning to the Father that we might receive the Spirit as you always intended, that we could be connected to you, abiding in you. Holy Spirit, if we're weary, if we're facing something difficult beyond us, Holy Spirit, we just pray for a a fresh filling of your presence in our lives today. Would you come in grace? Would you come in power? Would you touch our lives? God, we love you. We choose to trust you. We choose to step into risky or intimidating territory. We refuse to be scared off by things that are unhealthy. And we refuse to be scared off just by our own own fears, our own anxieties. We invite you. We yield to you. We surrender to you. God, we want you to be king. We want your kingdom to expand in our lives and we want to be carriers of that everywhere we go in a world that desperately needs you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen.